So this is a shir about uh, the topic of mechila, which I found in the past whenever I've spoken about this topic, it's somewhat of a, a sensitive topic, I guess, which makes sense. <clears throat> and uh, truth is, it's a topic that's not really given enough uh, attention when we see the level of importance that it has in all aspects of it. <clears throat> Um, it's really something that we do have to look, think about and look into. It's, it's a, it is a very, very important component, a very, very big part of tshuva. <clears throat> so there's a whole simon in Shulchan Aruch dedicated to this halacha that Arab Yom Kippur, you're supposed to ask mechila. I go to people and ask them for mechila. And Shulchan Aruch also says, it quotes, a, it's really a mishnah in uh, Baba Kama. It says that if a person does ask you for mechila and asks you a few times, you shouldn't be an achzari milimcha. You shouldn't be cruel and not forgive. So we find, therefore, in Shulchan Aruch, both ends. First of all, there is the obligation on every person who wants to do tshuva to go and ask for mechila from the people that that uh, that, you, that you might have offended or hurt. And then there's also on the behalf of the person who got offended, who got hurt, there is a seems like it's more of a midas taivas that you shouldn't be cruel and not forgive the person who's asking you for mechila. We also know that there is a quality called ma'aber al-midaisav, right? That definitely has get, gotten a lot of attention, um, especially lately, that there's a point to be ma'aber al-midaisav. Ma'aber al-midaisav literally means that you overlook your midas. So we, we typically translate that to mean your own midas, really, like you overlook your need for revenge, your need for retribution. Uh, what it actually means is midaisav means your sense of justice. In other words, you overlook your sense of justice. So when someone does something bad, when someone does something wrong to you, more often than not, obviously because it's personal, but you feel like that's just not right, you know, and, and justice is that this guy should have to do this or that or this, and, and or he should or he or she should have to get this in return. And Marvel Midaisav says, okay, I'm willing to relinquish that. I'm willing to relinquish my claim on the, the, the justice that this person should, should be receiving. And the Gemara tells us Mavral Midaisav is a tremendous quality and it's a very big schos for Yom Nerayim. If a person is Mavral Midaisav, if a person does, relinquishes their claim on other people, HaKadosh Baruch relinquishes his claim on us. So it's another source where it seems like it's how important it is to, to, start, to forgive people. And we also know that Hashem is a Kel Racham Bochan, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu is a forgiving and a, a merciful God, and, and we're supposed to emulate Him and try to do the same thing, to be merciful and to forgive. Mahu Racham, Racham. So it would seem then, maybe, that the ideal approach to Yom Kippur, which it might seem a little bit like that in Tzvila Zaka and the preparation for Yom Kippur, is to just go, you know, from the goodness of our heart, just forgive everybody, you know, start Yom Kippur forgiving everybody, no matter what they did, whether or not they asked for mechila, whether or not they're repentant, whether or not they care, whether or not they even thought about it, just forgive everybody from your end, leave, leave everybody off the hook. And uh, that would seem to be the highest level of Ma'aral Midaisav and what we should strive for. And what I want to talk about tonight, to today is that that's not true. And the purpose of this, uh, this, this, what we're going to learn here, we're going to look through its sources in Tanakh and various, very, make it very clear two points, which I think are very important. First of all, most importantly, I want to learn and see how important it is to actually ask for forgiveness. If you, we do have a reason to ask for forgiveness from other people, that step is crucial to actually ask for forgiveness. It's humbling. 
and it's a, a, a intrinsic part of tshuva, and it can't be overlooked. It can't, you, can't, you can't skip it. That's one thing we want to get through. And another point is I want to develop what actually Mavra Amidasev really means. Mavra is actually a, a beautiful mida, and it's just a mida that doesn't come that easily. It's a mida that, that needs some work to attain, and we're going to try to understand what really Mavra Amidasev means so that uh, we can do that and be zeichet for those chosim. <clears throat> it's an, an important thing to, re- to recognize is the difference between Judaism and other religions in this respect, a very, very notable difference. Uh, one other major world religion preaches that you always just forgive, right? After 9-11, there was a call that you should forgive the terrorists. After the, after the, the Oklahoma City, they, you know, the guy bombed and killed something like 200 kids, Timothy McVeigh, they, a couple of parents said they forgive him. And so on and so forth, this constantly goes on. It's, it's a, a Christian way of thinking. And it's, it's really, according to Yiddishkeit, very, very wrong. Because forgiving people who are not repentant, forgiving people that did what they did and have absolutely no plan of not doing it again, is essentially um, what you're doing is, is you're empowering evil. You're not giving them any reason to, uh, to not do it again. Uh, you're, you're just allowing them to continue in their, in their evil acts. And Yiddish doesn't, just doesn't hold it at. Same way, Akash Baruch Hu doesn't forgive unless people do tshuva. Akash Baruch Hu has patience. Akash Baruch Hu will give people a lot of time. Akash Baruch Hu will do everything to encourage a person to do tshuva. He'll be ma'ayur a person. But he won't forgive. Akash Baruch Hu does not actually forgive unless someone does tshuva. A person has to be repentant. A person has to be remorseful. And it's no, it's like Scarabinish is based on that. It's, uh, there, there would be absolutely no justice in the world without that. So it's, it's important to realize that that's the, the basis starting point in Yiddishkeit, is that to just forgive evil people without any form of remorse or repentance is not only pointless, it also is wrong. Chazal say, Kal hamaracham al rachmanim someone who is merciful to people that are cruel will end up being cruel to people that are merciful. So in other words, it's, it's a misapplication uh, of the midah of mercy, to have mercy on people that are cruel and have absolutely no repent, are not repenting and they're evil. That's not the, that's not the correct approach. So that's just an important thing to understand as a base for everything we're going to now learn. Where is the first recorded instance of Mechila and the Tyra? This is actually a, this is a cute um, trivia question. When I was learning with the boys yesterday, um, which um, I don't think everybody heard about, so we'll, we'll do a repeat. We'll do a repeat next week. Don't worry. But um, but uh, we, I asked them this question. It's a good trivia question. And one of them actually got it. What is the first instance of mechila in the Torah? And the answer is it was Abraham Avinu and Avimelech. Avimelech was the king of Plishtim, and he kidnapped Sarah. And uh, Kaddish Baruch Hu actually appeared to him and told him what he did wrong, and he tried to justify himself, and Kaddish Baruch Hu didn't buy it. So Hashem told him, you can rectify what you did wrong, go return Sarah to Avraham, and ask him for Mechila. And he will, he's a Navi, and he'll daven for you. That's what the Pasuk says. And the fact that then Avraham did forgive him is where the source that we learn that a person shouldn't be cruel and not forgive. We emulate Avraham Avinu when we forgive but Avimelech did rectify his sin. He presented Sarah, he gave paid money, he did everything in his power to take away the bad name that was created through his uh, kidnapping of Sarah. Take a look at the first source over here, that's the Pasuk. 
Return this uh, married woman, Kinavihu, because he is a prophet. and he'll daven for you, and that's the way you will live. But if you don't return, you will die. You and everything who is with you. So the first recorded instance of mechila has two very important components, which now we'll see constantly repeat themselves through every other instance of Mechila in Tanakh. One is that Abimelech had to rectify and he had to be remorseful and he had to ask for forgiveness. And two, and this is the fascinating part, on part of Avram Avinu, on part of the person forgiving, he didn't just forgive, he davened for Abimelech. He davened that Hashem, that Abimelech should be forgiven. And as we'll see, that's the true quality of Marvel Midaisav. When a person doesn't just relinquish their claim and say, okay, I'm Michael, and like, kind of, I just want to be able to live with you from now on. No, no, you do much more than that. You actually ask a Kaddish Baruch Hu to forgive the person so that the slate is really wiped clean. Now we'll see some more about it as we move along. <clears throat> so the most famous discussion about this topic of Mechila in Tanakh is actually Yosef, right? So Yosef and the Shvatim, the Shvatim did something extraordinarily egregious to Yosef. They kidnapped him, they sold him as a slave, and they gave him some of the worst 18 years of his life, or whatever it was, 13 years of his life, the most horrible 13 years of his life, where he was a slave, and then he was chased by Petifer's wife, and he was publicly humiliated, and then he was sent into prison, and then over there also his life was very difficult, and if you look through different chazals, it was a horrible, horrible life, besides the fact that he was kidnapped and he was sent away by his own brothers, and etc. So they did, they did something awful. And <clears throat> does anybody uh, know what are some of the repercussions from that sin? that we suffered from and throughout history. The sin of the Shvatim. Anybody familiar? Sarugamalchas, correct. Sarugamalchas is a direct result of the sin of the Shvatim. Okay? And uh, that's, that's one, something that's a direct result and basically every major catastrophe in Jewish history is attributed somewhat to that sin. Uh, the Miraglim, the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash, everything comes out of that to some degree because it's a source, essentially, of Sinas Chinam. It's a source of, of that, that, that problem in Kalah So the question is, if we're being punished for that sin, that means, sounds like that sin wasn't rectified. Well, why wasn't it rectified? Why didn't Yasef forgive them? And that should have taken care of the problem, right? Should have wiped the slate clean. So take a look at Rebbeinu B'chayim. Rebbeinu B'chayim, Parshas Vayichim. Ben Yochai says, <clears throat> the second source here, <laughs> his brothers asked him for Mechila, <laughs> but the Pasik never says that he forgave them. <laughs> Even though the Pasik does mention <laughs> that after his brothers presented themselves to Yosef, Yosef um, consoled them, <laughs> and he talked to their hearts, <laughs> it seemed to have they got some kind of, uh, you know, a ritzo where they, he, 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 he was content a little bit with them. You don't see that the Torah says that Yosef forgave them. He never told them that I'll, I'll carry your sin, meaning to say I'll, I'll overlook it. And if so, they died with this on their slate, without Yosef forgiving them. And if so, it's impossible for their sin to be forgiven without him unless he forgives. That's why this, the punishment for this was hidden and sealed. To be, to, 
to, to, to be administered after time. So the Rabbi Nechai says something quite startling, actually, that he, he claims that Yasef didn't forgive. Yasef did not forgive them. They asked for Mechila, and Yasef did not forgive them. And as a result of him not forgiving them, they weren't forgiven, and that's why there was a, an eventual Einish, uh, a punishment. Now, what's, what's interesting is that you know, that punishment wasn't limited to the Shvatim, right? The punishment of Saru Gamalchas affected all Klayatral equally, Yosef and everybody. Uh, everybody suffered from it, which is also an important point to realize, that when, if Mechila doesn't get administered, everybody suffers. It's not just limited to the person who doesn't, who, who, who's not forgiven. But that's what Ben Abichayas says, and I'm actually not going to go into it, but it's a good question. Why it is, according to Rabbeinu B'chai, that Yosef didn't forgive? Why wouldn't he have forgiven? Some say that maybe Yosef had the status of a Rebbe. And the halacha is that a Rebbe, you have to ask him more than just three times. You have to ask him again and again and again and again if, until the person forgives. And they didn't do that. That's one possibility. And in a moment, we'll see another maybe possibility why it was they didn't forgive. But for now, let's just learn up some more. Because not everybody, Rishonim don't agree with Rabbeinu B'chai. Other Rishonim say that Yosef did forgive, but not totally. So here's what happened. This is the Pasuk that where they asked for Mechila. It's actually a very fascinating little, little part of, of uh, the Torah that's not so familiar. It's like the last couple of Sukkim and Parshas Vayichi. What happened was Yaakov Avinu passed away. And what Rashi explains is that after Yaakov Avinu passed away, um, Yosef had originally invited the Shvatim to always eat by his table. And then he stopped when Yaakov Avinu passed away. So they thought, okay, this is it. right? He, he was just like dealing with us while Yaakov was alive out of respect of Yaakov Avinu, but now that Yaakov Avinu is dead, he's going to take revenge on us. So they said a lie. They fabricated a story. They said that Yaakov Avinu had made a tzavah, had given a command before he passed away on his deathbed that Yosef should forgive his brothers. That's what they reported to Yosef. And the Gemara and Masech Zivamis comments on this, and it says they were actually permitted to lie in this case in order to keep the peace. But it was a lie. Yaakovina never said that. Yaakovina never suspected Yosef wouldn't forgive them or wouldn't, uh, would, would take revenge on them. Yaakov never had, did, thought didn't cross his mind. But here's what the Pasik says. There's the Shvatim talking, quoting Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov says, this is what you should say to Yosef. Oh no, please. So no, please carry, please forgive. The sin of your brothers. They, they served you bad. And again, so no, please um, forgive the servants of you, the, the God of your fathers. So they, <clears throat> they quoted Yaakov Avinu as saying that Yaakov Avinu said, you should forgive the Shvatim. Now the Gemara learns from here that this is where we know that when you ask Mechila, you have to ask three times. Because they said, please, three times. They said, Ana, uh, that's please. Sana is again please. And Ba'ata Sana. So they said, please, three times. And it's the Gemara Yuma, Am Rav Yaisi Barachanina, Kalam Avakesh Mita Mechaverai, you'll be asking Mechila from your friend. Ayyavakesh Mena Yaisi Mishalash Pam. You don't have to ask more than three times. Shinamar Ana, Sana, Ata, Sana. So this was effectively a Bakash's Mechila. They were asking Mechila from Yosef, and essentially he should have forgiven. But, as we said, it wasn't really a real asking of Mechila. It was kind of, they were hiding behind a story, right? They were saying, Yaakov Avinu said that you should forgive us. So probably Yosef saw through the, you know, the, the, the breath between the lines and understood that Yaakov Avinu didn't really say that. But, nevertheless... It's hard to say that this is a full-blown Bakash's Mechila, even though we learn out halachas of, of Mechila from it. 
So that's another possibility why it was perhaps that Yosef didn't forgive them. But regardless, they made a proper Bakashas Mechila. To some extent, they, they did a Mechila. They asked three times. They said, please, three times. They asked Yosef to forgive them. And Rabbeinu Bechai says he didn't forgive them. Now there's another source. The next source is the Sefer Hamin Hagim of Rabbeinu Asher Milaniel. It's one of the Rishayim. And he says as follows, All Jews have to forgive their friends. They have to ask them for mechila, ask for forgiveness. Because if they don't ask for forgiveness, then Hashem won't forgive them. And that's a very important point. That's why, as we're going to see, that if a person doesn't ask for forgiveness, it's almost pointless to forgive them. I mean, you could, but it doesn't even do anything. The, the bottom line is, the reason why we are forgiving people is so that Hashem should forgive them. And if they don't ask for forgiveness, Hashem doesn't forgive them. So it does, it is, there's very little point in giving forgiveness if the person doesn't ask for it, which is what he's saying over here. Hashem, if you don't ask them for forgiveness, Hashem will not forgive you. Even if you bring all carbonus in the world, in an imchalai, you don't get forgiven unless you ask for forgiveness. And if his friend then chooses not to forgive, that is cruel. And we know that he was merciful. So if you don't forgive, then you're not from his children. If you are Mavra Amidoisa, if you forgive, then Hashem will forgive you. So this is, this is a very important point. And after you ask for forgiveness, you should then ask the person who's forgiving you, please daven for me. You have to ask the person that you hurt. If he's forgiving you, ask him, please daven on my behalf that I should be forgiven. Like Avram Avinu did for Avimelech, he prayed on his behalf. This is why Klal Yisrael was punished for Mechir Yosef. So he takes a different approach to Rebbein Hanan or Rebbein B'chaim. Maybe this is what really Rebbein B'chaim means. Yosef forgave them, but he didn't do that extra step. He didn't daven to Hashem that Hashem should forgive them. And that's a crucial point in the forgiveness of Mechila. It's not enough to merely be Michael. You need the person who was offended to daven that you should be forgiven. Uh, it's just a fascinating concept. And here you see the second time this is repeated. Right? And he, he quotes Avram uh, um, and Avimelech as a source. Good question? Go ahead. Um, are we learning from this that there are certain things that are unforgivable and that Yosef is justified in not forgiving it? So, right. I was wondering about that. That would be another possibility. I, funny, funny thing is I haven't found a source for that. Now, I haven't found a source that there's something that's simply unforgivable. It seems just that a person has to be sufficiently remorseful. In other words, generally when someone does something so egregious and horrible, it's rare that they reach the proper level of remorse, you know, that they should be forgivable. But that's, I, I, I don't know the answer to that question. I was wondering about that. So, <clears throat> go ahead. Also, what about like Tzilazata? Um, so, I'm sorry? Um, when you say Tzilazata. Oh, I'll get to that. Okay. I'll get to that. Actually, you can ask every night. We say Mechila, right? Yeah, so we'll get to that. We'll, we'll get to that. <clears throat> You're going to be a little surprised about that. <laughs> um, well, what else did they do other than like fabricating the story to get mechila? That was it. That was this was their this was their the form of their bakashas mechila. This is what they did. Why? Because they were so embarrassed. It's a good question. I don't know. 
Uh, it's not, not discussed at length. Oh. And I, was, I was wondering about that. <clears throat> Sometimes people like will give something instead of asking for forgiveness. I was wondering if that's like a gift to me. Yeah. Um, right. They try to to say I'm sorry, but like, does that work? It's something, you know. As we'll see, there there's a lot of humility required in asking mechila properly. Um, and I want to bring one more source, and then we're going to discuss it, just to understand what this means. This other source is also a fascinating source. Another person that was very, very hurt by another, by, by their friend, uh, is Chana and Penina. Right? So Chana was the mother of Shmuel, and Chana was barren for many, many years, and she had a, uh, it's called in Lashon Kaidish, the word is a tsara. That's a, a co-wife. There's no real word in English for it. The second wife, right? <laughs> uh, thankfully, I guess. But, uh, <laughs> But uh, anyway, so she had what I guess, again, was called in Hebrew, Atzara, and it was Penina. And Penina, it seems, was a tzedekes. But according to the psukim, what she did was, is she was constantly taunting Chana. She was constantly taunting, making her life miserable about the fact that she didn't have children. Because Penina had ten children, and they were both wives to Elkanah, who was a Navi. And eventually... Um, Chana had children. Chana had Shmuel, and then she had another uh, four children. She had five children in total. And as each of her children were born, Penina lost two children. So Penina lost, it would seem, all her children basically, right? She had ten children, and she lost two per um, one that Chana had, so she lost all ten. Actually, the Medrash says that's not what happened. The last two survived. How did the last two survive? Penina asked for Mechila. She asked for forgiveness. Take a look. It's a Yalkah. <clears throat> when Chana was finally remembered, Chana would give birth to one child, and Penina would then bury two children. Once Chana had four children, Penina buried eight children. So now Chana had her fifth pregnancy, right? So you'd think, you know, come on, <laughs> you should have picked up on now what's going on, right? One, two, it's kind of obvious. No, it took till now. Nishyara, Penina was scared. Maybe she's going to lose her last remaining two children. And, and what we have to understand here is that Penina, as we said, is a tzedekes. And tzedekes mean a tzedekes of Tanakh level tzedekes. And Chazal say that when she did taunt Chana, she had a... She had a Shem a, Kabana. She wanted to encourage her to daven. She wanted to really make her pour her heart out in tefillah, and this would be the way that she would eventually be answered. And perhaps it worked, and perhaps that is why Chana was eventually answered. And she thought that justified what she did. Unfortunately, it did not justify what she did. That's not Kodesh Baruch did hold her uh, accountable. But she was, as, as a Talmud Chacham, she, it took a while till she had to come to the realization that she was wrong. She didn't think she was wrong. So she attributed something we do all the time, all the things that are happening to something else, instead of attributing it to the message that Akadosh Baruch was trying to send her. So it took eight of her children passing away before she came to the realization, hey, this is happening because I, 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 I hurt Chana. So she thought she might lose her last two children. Hocha, so she went, and she asked for Mechila from Chana. Armullah, she told her, uh, please, I'm asking from you. I hurt you. I, I, I um, insulted you. I, I made your life 
miserable. Yedasani, I know now, Shechatasilach, that I sinned against you. Elevaterli, please forgive me, Sheyichu Shnei so that my two children should live. But Oyesisha, and that point, Nispala Lachan of Nekadosh Borchale. Here you go again. Achana went and davened on their behalf, Bechayu, and they lived. Amrullah Kaddish Baruch Hu, and Kaddish Baruch Hu told her, Chayecha, it's like a, it's a, he swore, Shahayu Ru'uyim Lamas, they really would have died. Ela, Hayel Shinas Palatalem, but because you, you daven for them, Lashim Chalani Kariya Yisen, I will consider them your children. So in the Pasik, it says Achana had seven children. She really didn't, she had five. Two of them were Penina's children, and they were counted as Chana's children because through her tefillahs they, they lived. So you think about this for a minute. Think, just think about what this means. It means Chana also was watching Penina's eight children dying. She was observing as two or die, two die, two die. And she, I would imagine, knew that Penina was wrong. Right? She was the recipient. She didn't have any reason to justify and think that Penina was right with what she did. But she didn't forgive her. Not until Penina went and asked her for forgiveness. And when Penina went and asked her for forgiveness, then she davened on behalf of Penina and then she was answered. But before that, while she was observing these children dying, she didn't daven, and she didn't pray, and she didn't forgive. And it's obvious she would have, if she could have, but clearly it wouldn't have helped, because the Kodesh would not have forgiven. Until Penina came to her uh, recognition, and she did shuva, and she was remorseful, and she repented, there was no way this was going to get forgiven. And even then, right, Chana Davin and Hashem said, I would not have even listened, but you Davin, so I'm going to accept it. So here we again see these two points. And now let's just talk about them a little bit more. We, we, the two points are that how, how extraordinarily important it is, what a tremendous function of tshuva it is to actually ask for forgiveness when we need to ask for forgiveness. And then on behalf of the person forgiving, it's not merely enough to just forgive, What's important is then to also daven on behalf of the person that, 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 that you need to forgive. So let's think about this. <clears throat> Both sides of it make a, make a lot of sense. It's like this. When, when we do something to someone else, right? So usually there's more than one level of it. Meaning to say, there are times that people do things that are very egregious. You know, they really hurt us, root us, etc. But usually... Usually it's a function of a larger picture, right? It's a context. So usually you had some kind of relationship with them, they had some kind of relationship with you, something went south in the relationship, uh, they think you did this to them, you think they did this to you, and some people got hurt in the process. That's usually the way these things work. Now, if a person comes, and sa- comes to their senses and says, okay, you know what, this really went bad, and I really have to ask Mechila, right? This is, I'll speak for myself, but... Having spoken to people, I think a lot of people think like this. It's like, you kind of think like this. You think that, really, I'm not really that wrong. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of maybe 50% wrong. That other person is 50% wrong. Maybe I'm 25 and they're 75, whatever, you know. But I understand this coming in Yom Kippur, you have to ask Mechila because we have to get along. We have to be able to get together and we have to work together. So I'm going to ask Mechila. I'll, I'll even take the first step. You know, really, they should take the first step. I'll take the first step and I'll go out and ask for Mechila. And that's, 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 that's big, that's major, that's, that's something. But now think of what would happen if then you would go and ask the person, can you please daven on my behalf that a Kajah Baruch forgives me? Realize how much more that is when you do that. That means you're saying, I did something very wrong to you, 
And HaKadosh Baruch is not just going to forgive me for it. Like a lot of times we think in our head, well, HaKadosh Baruch, he gets this whole story, right? He knows who's right and who's wrong, but you know, it's me and you, so I have to ask you for forgiveness. If you go to the person and you say, I need you to stop and that Hashem should forgive me, then that's the only time you're really truly admitting with humility that I did something wrong that needs HaKadosh Baruch to forgive me, and he's not going to forgive me unless you let me off the hook. You're, it's, it's in your hands. This is what, this is what Akash Baruch created this world. Very right? interesting. Uh, that, you know, these sins that are Ben Adam Lechaveri, even though essentially they're sins against Hashem, Hashem says, no, these sins are kind of in the hand of the person you, you hurt. And that person has, is in charge of your forgiveness. I'll forgive, you know, I'll, I'll, do, I'll do my part, Hashem says, you did tshuva, but, but ultimately the forgiveness is in the hands of the person that you hurt. And that person has to see to it that you get forgiven. So if you ask for mechila, um, and you go the step of saying that I have recognized what I did to you, and I recognize that it was wrong, and I recognize I need forgiveness for real, not just so we can go on living and we won't be awkward and we have to go to the other side of the street when I see you and avoid you by a simcha and think, you know, not all that, much more than that, more to the point where I recognize I need you to actually daven on my behalf that I get forgiven. So that's step one, in, in the act of asking a mechila, that's the only point when a person truly has, has had the humility and the remorse and recognition of what they did wrong, that it, be, it can be considered asking for mechila. Can I ask a quick question? Go ahead. If we have had to ask for mechila in the past and we do not do that second step, mm-hmm. should we now go back and... So let, let me finish the, the other half of this, the half of the person forgiving, and then and we'll see. But ultimately, it depends whether were we forgiven or not. That's why we do it through it again. Now, on the behalf of on the person who is forgiving, right? Now, someone asks you for forgiveness, and you forgive them. So this is also a, a situation and a position we've been in in the past. Again, people ask us for mechila, and we know that they're asking for mechila not because necessarily they think that they were that wrong. They have this kind of cheshbon in their head. I was wrong. You were wrong. It was bad. Let's let's. They're asking mechila so that they can, we can continue living together, right? The point of mechila is that, and you forgive them because you do also want to be able to continue li- living together. You want to be able to, you know, have a normal life with people around you. You don't want it to be awkward. You don't want it to be difficult. And, you know, you'll let them off the hook. You want to hold it against them. But if we're truthful with ourselves, a lot of times, and, and it, it does depend on how bad it was the thing that the person did, but in the past... Having, having been here for seven years, people have done things to other people that have been very humiliating and significantly bad. And the person who was Michael in their head, what they thought was, okay, I'm Michael him, but God will take care of him. <laughs> <laughs> and, and if we are truthful with ourselves, we do that almost all the time. And as again, when somebody did something bad enough to us, that we feel they're not really repenting for it, they just want to ask Michil because they want to be able to move on, so then in our heads, that's what we do. We forgive, and we say, okay, you know, fine, I forgive. I, don't, I want to be Marbal Midaisav. I don't want to go into Yom Kippur like that. But really, you want Hashem to take care of the, to settle the score. So when, you, when we, as people who forgive, then daven to Hashem, that I want you, Hashem, to relinquish all claim. I don't want this to be mentioned when the guy comes after 120. I don't want this to be on the paper. That is Marbal Midaisav. That's when we attain, attain the level of Mahabharata. That's why it's such a beautiful midah. It's not something easy to, to achieve. Uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a level of, of avoida on a person's, uh, you know, for a person working on themselves to really, truly 
relinquish all claim against the person, all hurt, all and it doesn't necessarily have to come quickly, it doesn't have to necessarily come easily. So that's why both halves of these, I'm not going to say that there's no such thing as mechila without it. And I'm not going to say that uh, it's, there's no point in not doing anything, you know, the different levels. Of course there is. You know, of course you have to do all those as much as you can do, as much as is feasible. And you have to get as much mechila from the person as you can. But more important, what I'm, what I'm stressing more is to understand the function of asking for mechila, or how that, that's, that's an intrinsic part of tshuva, and what we're really trying to, to achieve over here is a Kaddish Baruch Hu's forgiveness. So that's why there isn't really two ways about this. That's why there's no, that's why Chana didn't forgive Pnina without her asking, and that's why Yesu wouldn't forgive the Shvatim if there was something wrong with the way they asked, because it's not, it doesn't do anything. <laughs> it doesn't accomplish anything. Kaddish Baruch is not going to forgive them, so what's, what's the difference? It's just, it's, it's just semantics. I can say, Michael, everybody, it doesn't do anything. All right, it won't, won't accomplish anything. So, um, so, so that's why at the point when Chapnina was properly remorseful, when the Shvatim, would they have been properly remorseful, Yosef would have forgiven them. And according to this Rabbeinu Asher, he forgave them, but he didn't pray on their behalf. also demonstrates that he hadn't quite gotten to the point where he was ready to fully forgive them. He forgave them, but he didn't fully forgive them. And because he didn't fully forgive them, he didn't daven on their behalf. So that's why some of that sin was left over and, and was ultimately, it, uh, it resulted in that sorry, Ruga Malchus. Again, not that we are ones to understand was it right to forgive or not to forgive. That's not the point. The point is how important it is to get to that point. Go ahead. I have like a lot of questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, this is a very sensitive topic. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. A side question is, can you ask Hashem to forgive someone before you forgive them? I feel like that would help me to forgive someone if I daven first, asking Him. So I'm... you could, but like I said, Hashem doesn't quite listen to us about that. <laughs> he has His own standards, right? A person has to do tshuva. Uh, even in Tefillah Zaka, for example, um, when we essentially are forgiving everybody in Tefillah Zaka, we say chutz for someone who says ech we exclude someone who says that, okay, I'll sin, I'll ask for mechila, and then I'll just do it again. They're not remorseful, in other words. Just, that's just a term that means someone who doesn't have remorse. And we, we exclude him from our mechila. And you think, well, what's the big difference? Let me not exclude him. And I saw one sefer, uh, the, is currently the rival of Yerushalayim, Rav Moshe Sternbach, he says, no, don't say it, skip that out. Why would you, uh, why would you say chutz? But the way I'm understanding, no, 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 because there's no point. <laughs> you might as well, there's no, there's no point to forgive. It's not going to accomplish anything. You're not going to help that person. They're not going to, they're not even going to, they're not even going to get anywhere. In other words, it's better that the person should think you're angry at them so that they might start actually thinking about it and being, and, and repenting. The concept of forgiving someone if they have an aspirin Again, you could do it. And there, it definitely works. There are sources that it, it does something, but like I said, it's not going to ultimately it's not going to really help the person unless they come to, unless they come to it. It sounds like Hashem really wants us to work together because there's no like I mean, what there's a whole category of forgiving people, people that don't know that they did something wrong. As well. So that's a little different, right? Let's say let's say someone hurt you. So I, that I was that that's an, a um, discussion which is a little beyond this year, but I'm talking about people that know what they did wrong. Right, and they know that they did, they did it knowingly, right? And they need to do tshuva. The other, the other kind of sins where someone hurt you didn't realize, would they know they probably would repent? Those are people that I could see, yeah, just, just forgive them and maybe that'll take care of it, you know? So but, two questions. Is there an order of operations? The person first who did something wrong has to 
ask for forgiveness. And then, like, do those three things have to go in that order? So uh, the Gemara says, this, I don't have this on the sources, this is, like I said, this is like a second shear almost. But the Gemara says, it goes through three Amarayim, one was Rav, one was, I think, Rav Huna, that there was someone that had sinned against them, had uh, humiliated them, embarrassed them. And it was Ervim Kippur, and the person hadn't asked them for Mechila. So they went to that person and presented themselves, uh, so to speak. It doesn't say that they said anything, but they presented themselves, which was to kind of drop a hint like a rock, you know, that, uh, like a brick, that, that you need to ask Mechila, and here I'm even coming to you to make it easy for you. And then the Gemara gives, in one case, the Gemara says that when Rav was going to this person that sinned against him, Shmuel observed Rav going, and Shmuel said, Rav is just going to kill that guy. <laughs> and that, because he knew that the person's not going to repent. And that's, that's what happened. Rav went to the person, and the person saw him, and then the person further humiliated Rav, and basically died a minute later. So, fine. But, you know, <laughs> so you wonder what the point was. But that you do see from the Gemara that that is the order that it needs to go. Same thing. Rav wasn't just going to relinquish it. Rav wasn't just going to say, okay, I'll stay. You know, I know he's not going to repent anyway, so let me just let him go. He didn't do that. It wouldn't have been the right thing to do, as, as it seems. Um, didn't Moshe send people to get Dothan Same thing. So in other words, he, he went out of his way to get them to repent. But he didn't just forgive them. So it's the same, it's the same, the same concept again. And that's, that's Midas Chasidus, right? That's Ma'arel Midasav, when a person goes out of their way to get them to repent. Go ahead. I'm trying to figure out what the thought process is supposed to be for the person who needs to ask Mechila as well as the person who needs to give Mechila, like in order to get there. What are you, like, is it between you and Hashem? Is, like, what should you be thinking to yourself? Okay, that's a valid question. So let me, let me, let me get a little further in the share, and then we'll get to that. So I want to now just bring a source in the Rishayim that almost speaks out this whole back and forth very clearly. So this is a, um, this is a Sefer Chassidim. Sefer Hasidim was written by Rabbi Yudah Chassid, and many of our more esoteric customs come from Sefer Hasidim. You might be familiar, like, you know, uh, uh, daughter-in-law and mother-in-law not having the same name, not naming, naming, not having siblings having the same name, and there's a lot of different things in Sefer Hasidim that, that uh, are like that. There's also many customs that we do, minhagim that we have, mitzvahs that we do that are based on Sefer Hasidim. It's one of the Rishayim. So he says like this. He also tells you how to be a Hasid, how to be a pious person. He says, Ain chassid al misha You're only a chassid if you're Ayyub al Midaisav, if you're a person who forgives. Now, listen how he sets up when a person is pious, when a person is a chassid, how he's supposed to forgive. So, listen to what has to happen first. People come to you. They, they sinned against you. They did something wrong to you. Now they, re- they repent. They have remorse. And they ask you for forgiveness. And if whatever they can do to rectify what they did wrong, they, they, they take care of, they, they try to fix whatever they could fix. And again, they repent. And they ask for mechila. And they say, I'm going to accept upon myself anything you put on me. Whatever you tell me to do to rectify this, I'll do. That's a pretty hefty asking Mechila, right? I <laughs> know a little bit what it means to ask Mechila. And then the person who's being asked this sees. You could really, uh, you have a way to do evil to them. And to pay them back for what they did. And at this point, you forgive them. You don't do anything bad to them. That's when you're a chassid. <laughs> That's when you're pious. If you forgive them at that point, right? Again, we're talking about someone who did something really egregious to you. 
But you think about it. He doesn't say that Ma'avra al-Midaisa requires you to just forgive it. If they come and they ask for mechila and they're mischarit and they say, we're going to rectify everything that we do and whatever you tell me to do, I'll do. Just please forgive me. Then you could still do things to them and you don't. And you forgive them, then you're pious. Then you're a chassid, you're a ma'avra al-Midaisa. Shanamar, Shuvu Mishuvi Yisrael, etc. And then he says, actually, his, he holds that Chaim B'nei Yaakov, the Shvatim, Kishachatu Yosef Machalahem, his opinion is that Yosef did Machal them. And he didn't repay them anything. And this is the source and the root of piousness. This is This is beyond the letter of the law. So, <clears throat> Just, uh, I want to just finish with the last point you asked before, that we say, every night, and we're Michael, everybody that did anything to us, right? We list out everything that's possible. Now, the source for this that you're meant to say every night by Kriyashma Shalamita is a Gemara. It's a Gemara Masechus Megillah, it's a Gemara Masechus Shabbos. I'm not going to read it now a little late, but the Gemara says that Rabbi Chunim ben Akana was asked, How did you live so long? And he answered, Because I never went to sleep um, holding a grudge. Basically, I never went to sleep and uh, keeping a grudge against someone, I forgave them. And this is the sort of the Rabbanish Lailam. We say Rabbanish Lailam, Harini Moichel, Vasalech, Chalmisha Hichnis, Vahiknit, Isaish Chatekinag, Dibem Begufi, We do this long forgiveness every night. And this seems to fly in the face of everything that I'm saying. I'm saying, you know, no point forgiving if the person doesn't ask for Mechila. And here we're going and forgiving everybody carte blanche. So, actually, it's fascinating, but there's a Gemara. Another Gemara. The Gemara says in. Uh, it's in Yumad Al-Khabez. It says, Kal Tamil Chacham Kanachash. Any Tamil Chacham who doesn't refuse to forgive like a snake and holds a grudge, any Tamil Chacham. Because a Tamil Chacham is meant to hold a grudge. So the Gemara asks, What do you mean? You have to forgive. So the Gemara answers, That's if they ask for forgiveness. So if they ask for forgiveness, then you should be Ma'avra al to forgive. But if they didn't, you should hold a grudge. So the Maharsha, in the back of the Gemara, Maharsha lived about the 1600s, early 1600s. He asks, but you say Rebbein Shalom every night and you forgive. He says that's only people that ask for forgiveness. Rebbein Shalom is people that ask for forgiveness. You forgive them. You don't necessarily forgive them when they ask you. But don't go to sleep. If someone asks you for forgiveness, so from that point, you know, the rest of the day, that should be occupying your mind. Try to forgive them and then make sure that by the time you go to sleep, which is a madrega, right, which was a madrega, right, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a significant level. So, but that's what he says. He says that this Rebbeinah Shalom, and likewise the Tvila Saka, is, was meant for people that have taken that step of, of trying to repent. And again, in what I was trying to say before, was that the, the, I think that the category of people who just simply don't realize that they hurt you, they don't realize they offended you, and if they would know, they most certainly would repent. So I think that's included. So in other words, they, they unfortunately don't know, so you can either choose to tell them and give them the opportunity to, to ask for mechila, or if, let's say, sometimes it's not an option, it's too awkward, the people are maybe in a position that you can't really tell that to them, so then you can forgive them because you know that if they would know, they would forgive and they would repent. I think that's included also in this Rebbein Shalom as well. But the people who know what they did wrong and are simply not asking for forgiveness because they don't repent. So that the Masha says that no. And uh, according to the Gemara, at least for a Talmud Chacham, to forgive would be wrong. In other words, why would it be wrong? Because it would be, again, it would be condoning evil. Someone is, who humiliated a Tamil Chacham, someone who did something wrong to a Tamil Chacham, by not requiring that person to, for, to repent and to ask for Mechila, forgiving him without that would just be allowing evil to continue. 
that would be it would be intrinsically wrong, you know, according to Yiddishkeit. And as we were explaining, it wouldn't even help. <laughs> it wouldn't even be at any point. It wouldn't it wouldn't help that person. It wouldn't it, would, it wouldn't help him achieve any forgiveness. So, in um, summary, uh, what we have learned over here is three sources in Tanakh. We learned by Ramavinu, we learned by Yosef Hasadik. Um, and we learned by Chana and Penina, by all three of them, the forgiveness was only given once the person asked for forgiveness. The person who asked for forgiveness, the way that we showed him our understanding, what was meant to ask that the person <coughs> should daven on their behalf. And then the forgiveness was only total when the person who was hurt actually did daven on behalf and, and asked HaKadosh Baruch Hu to relinquish all claim and, and truly forgive in that way. And that's what the level of Mavra al is. The level of Mavra al is when you're ready to do that, when you're ready to go all the way that have all claims wiped clean, HaKadosh Baruch Hu shouldn't have anything on them, this should never be mentioned again. That's when a person has achieved this beautiful level of Mavra al I just want to tell you a story. <clears throat> uh, it's a little bit of, of a scary story, but it's, it's the same, same concept. The story is that uh, the Chavetz Chaim was traveling on a train, and the Chavetz Chaim, it's well known, many stories, that he, uh, when he traveled on a train, he dressed, he always dressed simple. He never dressed like the typical people then, the Rabbanim would have, like a frock and whatever, he didn't. He dressed like a simple Jew. So he was on this train, and he was learning from a safer, and there were three other people, three other Jews on the train, and they were playing a game of cards, and they needed a fourth player. So they asked him, would you join us? So he said no, and they got very angry at him, and they started to beat him. And then they, then, they, then they left him alone. So when they got to wherever they were going, there was this huge Kabbalah upon him for the Chavetz Chaim, and everybody was holding big signs and thousands of people by the train station. And who, out he walks, and everybody you know, comes over to him, and, Aleichem, and these three guys realize, oh my gosh, the person we beat up was the Chavetz Chaim. So they're beside themselves. So they push their way through the crowd, they get up to the Chavetz Chaim, they fall on their knees, they start crying, and they ask, Rebbe, please forgive us. And the Chavetz Chaim says, no, I can't forgive you. So they... They're not sure what to do at that point, so they wait around. It's a few weeks till Yom Kippur. They wait till Yom Kippur, and then they approach the Chavetz Chaim again, and they ask him for Mechila again. And again, he says, I can't forgive you. So his son was there, and the son asked the Chavetz Chaim, why are you not forgiving them? They're crying, they're asking, begging for forgiveness. Why would you not forgive them? So the Chavetz Chaim says, I, I would love to forgive them, and if I could, I would have forgiven them right away. The problem is, he says, that they didn't sin against the Chavetz Chaim. If they would have known that I was the Chavetz Chaim, they would have never hurt me. They sinned against a simple Jew. And they're not repenting for that. They need to find that simple Jew and ask him for Mechila. When they repent for that, then the Mechila can be granted. And I think that very much uh, solidifies the point that we're making. Is that Chavetz Chaim would have been very happy to forgive them, but he understood it's not going to do anything. It's not, they're not repenting. They're, they would have, they'll do it to the next simple Jew they meet. They'll first make sure he's not the Chavetz Chaim. They'll check his ID, you know, <laughs> and then they'll go beat him up. But they're not, they're, not, they're not repenting at all from what they're doing. So then I could be Mechilim. It's not going to help them. It's, just not, it's not going to move them forward in, their, in, 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 in HaKadosh Baruch forgiving them. So we'll end the share with this, and I will take some